Sometimes I disappear on the weekends and I come back and I try to explain to Pitar what the heck has happened. And now, now I drug Pitar right into the middle of the chaos. And of the chaos is where stars are born. And Pitar became a star this weekend. So join us as we take our traveling into Chicago for a big weekend of eye-opening adventure that ends in a magical pay-per-view with two men I kissed on the mouth as you enjoy Weekend at Effie's. Wait a second. It's weekend at Pitar's. From beautiful Chicago, Illinois, here with Pitar and Effie, it's weekend at Pitar's. <laughs> was that was that a good intro? Yeah, yes. I took my good friend, my co-host, my spiritual guide, my roommate, my dog whisperer, Pitar, into the whirlwind of wrestling this weekend. And Pitar survived. Pitar made it out alive and has become even stronger. Uh, and and will be making you'll be making your wrestling debut soon. Yes. Shout out to your costume. Shout out to all the people that came up to me and were like, loved your show last night. You were incredible. <laughs> and I was just like, thank you. Oh, you don't argue with it. You just say, <laughs> yep, thank you. Oh, my neck's a little sore still. From that wrestling show I was in. Feels crazy. Glad to be here today. Uh, we're still figuring out which wrestler they think you are. I, You know, I'm going to take a hot guess. I think they think you're Orange Cassidy. I think that's it. And now they will know I'm not just talking to a wall. They won't know. <laughs> They're still going to think I'm talking to a wall. This is true. I'm, I'm actually just talking to a wall. And then we fill in a person's voice after the fact with small quips to keep me in line. That's what we do. Pitar is not real. It's just some guy on Fiverr that throws in little ad libs <laughs> to the podcast. We got someone on Fiverr to give us 13 sentences that we place in at opportune times. And magically, it seems like I have a podcast co-host. And truly, this is actually the biggest trick of all. I'm uploading everything. <laughs> oh, if I'm not the most useless podcast uh, voice in all of podcasting, in that once I stop speaking, Pitar does everything. And not only that, this week on our Patreon, WeekendAtEffies.com, besides the heartwarming and touching mini-sode, you will also get a Pitar vlog. Is this real? This is true. It's done. It's Incredible. real. It exists. So happy to have you on visual board to see your view of everything. I'm excited to watch this one. I don't ever watch them because I make them and they're chaotic. But now I get to see it from your point of view. But this weekend starts before you even get there. Yes. Thank fucking God. Because when I landed in Chicago, Illinois, Thursday, because I was going to be on a freelance show that night, uh, the whole Big Gay Brunch started just falling apart. I had people out with COVID. I had people out with ACL tears. I had people out with uh, infections. I had people out with all sorts of things. But I got to tell you, Pitar, my spirit was calmed. And I knew that we would be able to put on a phenomenal show, even though it was going to be different than the show we expected. And I think we did. I think yeah. we pulled a great show. A hundred percent. And it was all gays on deck. And we're going to talk about many Items of the weekend, including the new rule, which may stay in effect, but it probably won't, called Ask Effie Last, which, yeah, was it a dickish thing for me to do? It was. Did it work out in my favor? 
It absolutely did. We learned a lot about ourselves. We learned a lot about each other. And what a phenomenal time to jump into the world of Effie. This is after 99 episodes of you listening to me talk about things and occasionally showing up at like Fest, which is its own Festivus, and and an Atlanta show. This was your first full immersion into the world of Effie. Uh, How am I alive? I don't know, cause I we got through the end of the weekend, and I was like, I, I I'm done. I can't do this. This is crazy. I'm and done. I I hung out. I didn't wrestle. You did, yeah. You hung out, but you hung in there for everything, and you even got me to go to something that I typically wouldn't go to, which we'll get to. I felt later. like wrestling, baby, all weekend. You were, and you know what? You took it in. Uh, you took it in stride. And you took it all in, and you took it to the face, and it was, I'm certain, aggressive. But you got to feel the the energy of the wrestling world at your fingertips. You were fully involved. All right, so I went to freelance, and I got to spend some time with my bussy sister before it got too hectic. It was a really fun show, and one of the best parts of the show. I really, I don't have too many notes aside from this. Lucy here with us, uh, making baby noises. We love her. We missed her deeply. This was probably the longest you've been away from Lucy in a while. Apparently, she threw a full-on diva hissy fit Friday night and just refused to behave for my buddy Johnny, who was watching the dogs. <laughs> Hearing Johnny describe that to you was making me crack up because I was like, oh, yeah, Lucy was not happy. No. Nobody was there to calm her. She'll she'll give me a little fit sometimes if you're not here, but usually she'll finally just like fall into my arms and yeah. chill, and she just wants to be held, and she wants to feel a part of things. But I imagine with neither of us around for Johnny – she was not very happy. It's you also when she's being baby, you just have to baby her yeah. and literally grab her and hold on to her and she'll calm down. But he, he was running around going, "What do I need to do for you? What do which is your What do you need? You're feeding into her yeah, chaos and so she's just going to run you racket. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I'll just sit for a second, I'll let her go off a little bit and then I put my hands under her arms and she hops right up into my lap and I know that that's what she needed. She needs to be a baby. There's only like three things she's going to need, which is I need to go outside. I want some freaking food. Or will you hold me like a baby? Like a baby. And we held her like a baby. What a beautiful baby she is. Now, this is heartwarming stuff. Jordan Oliver had a singles match at this freelance show with one Brian Keith, who made their television debut that Friday night on AEW Rampage, which was very cool to see. But what was even cooler to see were... The two Knicks showing up to show their support for Jordan Oliver, which were Nick Gage and Nick Wayne showing up together to watch that Jordan Oliver singles match. It just, it was, it made my little heart blush and it just made me feel like a little baby to see them. I was like, what are y'all doing here? And they said, we're here to see Jordan. And I was like, this is the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. And you know, Nick Wayne's on to big things. We got to see Nick Wayne at the pay-per-view on Uh the zero hour we got to see him you know doing big stuff all weekend but he was still around and to see him still come out to support his brother in christ jordan oliver just made me feel happy and of course nick gage was there just to fire up and he saw me and he said what are you doing tonight i told him he said you better bring it you better bring it and so having that kind of motivational support behind you i brought it and i don't want to brag on myself but i did perform 
obviously you're seeing heavyweight Effie right now, right? I'm, I'm a beefy boy and I'm not going to deny it. And I enjoy it. I enjoy hefting my size around. Now I have been pointed to pictures of myself from years past by mostly Allison catch. And I would like to say, uh, my mistreatment of twinks, uh, was a little out of line because I was possibly in fact a twink. (laughs) Oh, no. I was shown pictures of myself at roughly 180 and 185 pounds. And then I was shown pictures of myself now at 228 pounds. And I was, in fact, a little more twinkish than I would have liked to admit. And I'm sorry for my mistreatment of the twinks and uh, gauntleting them against such foes as Pero. Because it felt like I was maybe working through something on my own by trying to go, I'm not a twink. I'm not a widow twink. You were processing your own twink death. Yes, I was processing my own twink death, and I don't know how to process it. But then what does it mean that Baby Bop was the winner of the twink gauntlet? Uh, It means that uh, a a bad idea came to life, (laughs) and we will get into... I have been telling everyone this story, and just tears in their eyes. It's so good. I, I realized at some point in my career that I can have a fingerprint on the history of wrestling. And ever since I realized that I have been just fucking it up and just making trash things. True. The official cage match statistics show the winner of the twink gauntlet baby bop defeats Pero. I can't be helped. I can't be contained. And much like Miley, I certainly can't be tamed. We created a monster. Now, Friday after this beautiful, Oh, I didn't mention my heavyweight moves. I caught one of the bang, one of the uh, must not be called bang bros out of thin air while he was doing a victory roll spear, and I threw him into his partner. And then I caught a woman out of the air, Lainey Luck, from a Hurricane Rana in a power bomb, and I threw her at her partner. And I just need people to know my strength is unmatched at this point. I am on fire. I am fully ready to go. And if you're a person, I might use you as a weapon against another person. I can't be stopped from doing that. And in the next few weeks, I'm picking up everybody and I'm throwing them at other people. That's what I'm doing. That's where my spirit is. You got picked up this weekend. Okay. Did I? Is that true? Yeah, it's true. Uh, I did get picked up this weekend. Uh, we're going to... I have a larger... I've been thinking, Peter. That, so one of the one of the things... So I'm, I guess I'm just cutting you off now. I guess that's what we're doing. I love it, by the way. We broke that on the live podcast and now I can't stop. It was great. Please cut me off. If you've learned anything this weekend, it's that many times I need to be cut off. <laughs> um, there is something to the larger wrestlers getting picked up that makes my heart stop a little bit. Yes. Uh, when Para picked up uh, Ron, Ron Bass, Bass Jr. Yeah. I turned after the match. I turned to him and I was like, I wasn't okay during that moment. Like my world was ending when I saw you go up. Seeing. Large humans just pick up other large humans. At its core, you can have as much complication. You can have as much uh, different grappling styles. You can have as much high-flying ability. But at its core, seeing large humans pick up large humans is the magic of pro wrestling. You don't have to complicate that one. When you see someone who is too large to be picked up, being picked up and treated like a child, you are immediately impressed no matter what's going on 
I'm glad you got to witness it in person. I also, we're going to ask you, you can think about this for a second. Okay. Uh, the difference between watching, say, wrestling on a screen and being right in front of it. Oh, I already have my answer. Oh, yeah? Let's I go. Will, I, because I... Because now I feel that I'm finally in a little bit too deep where I can't be like, <laughs> oh, I'm not into wrestling or whatever, whatever, whatever barrier I was keeping myself from, from like fully jumping into your world. I'm not going to watch wrestling on television ever. I'm never going to make that decision. Anytime you say we have a show coming up, I am a thousand percent there. It's a very different it is thing. So much fun in real life. Yeah. So much fucking fun. Well, and I, I think of it this way, and this is me big braining everything a little too much, which is the story of my life. I think of how much entertainment, how much cinema, how much theater, you know, let's let's look over it. I went to see Wicked in theater. I went to see movies in the cinema. I watch things on TikTok all the time. How often are we in a position as humans post COVID in this here and now where something like that can be happening 20 feet in front of your face and you really have no clue what is about to happen. It's a very, very rare thing to be a part of anymore. And so wrestling fan or not, just as human beings, I think we have to start uh, taking in the fact that this is the only live form of entertainment where there's unpredictable, uh, impromptu human element that can't really be understood or processed without seeing it in front of you yeah like it was a as much as i wanted to get a bunch of stuff for like the vlog and the patreon and everything there were so many moments watching wrestling where i was like if i'm on my phone right now i'm fucking up because this is an in the moment thing this is my personal experience with everyone else happen like this is a diamond jewel moment that i will never be able to get in any other way, shape, or form. So I just want to be here present watching everything as it happens. I love that. I'm glad you took it in with that sort of mindset. And it's very much where I'm at with wrestling, which is it's hard for me to want to watch it on a screen. I host the show on Twitch, and I love it. But watching wrestling in person is its own monster and its yeah. own animal. And I feel like you're not going to sell new fans on wrestling by bringing them in watching a TV show. Like It's very hard to sell that sort of tropism and explaining everything to you while we were watching certain things, it was very apparent that there are a lot of tropes wrestling is still leaning into that offer explanation to an objective crowd. But the fucking catchphrases, the catchphrases, isn't it magic? Everyone knew the catchphrases. <laughs> Everyone. Everyone already knows the catchphrases. And uh, I'm sorry, but most of them I'm like, what? Me? Me. <laughs> what are we doing? Well, and that wasn't even a catchphrase. That was just people... People want to see big meaty men slapping meat. And so when those two big meaty men were slapping meat, all we could say was meat. The, okay, the the bay bay whatever. Yeah. It's so gay. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're talking about Adam Cole and Maxwell Jacob Friedman's yeah. tag team with their and double what, clothesline their and the kangaroo kick. Their their best friend roommates. Is that what okay, we're so doing they're, here? So one of them used to look up to the other one when he was training. And then they became best friends, and now they're tag team partners, and their finish is a double clothesline. And then <laughs> they yell double clothesline, unless one of them isn't in the ring, then it's single single clothesline. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not going to not be able to roast I this. I love this. <laughs> I love it. Uh, there is something about both of them sort of having a history as bad guys where you're not allowed to really love them all the way. 
where I think when they come together and they're doing this, everyone's obviously looking behind their back to see who's going to turn on who. But those two are clearly having so much fun that they're now kind of over-leaning into the baby-faceness of it all. And so everyone is taking this time to show their appreciation because we're wondering when that time will end and when we will not have the ability to cheer one of them together anymore. And so, yes, they are being goofier than ever, but we're used to both of them being real pieces of shit. It doesn't make it less corny. I'm not trying to... I'm not trying to talk you out of that. It was, but I will say the participation from the crowd during that match when we were at All Out was a, a bit, uh, it was overwhelming, I think. It was. To realize was. how much the crowd was into that. Not in a bad way, necessarily, but it was very, it was choreographed, in a sense, to that crowd. And and I'm fully with Ali on this one. If you're If you have good seats, you're sitting in the front row, why do you need to stand up? People just get excited, Pitar. And, you know, Allie's down there trying to see Ricky get his ass beat by Brian Danielson. And she wants a good view of that. So. I mean, I get it. I get it. <laughs> uh, I just want to say, in no moment where Allie has attended a Ricky Starks match in person at, at a pay-per-view has he won. She's got to stop showing up. The streak continues. If Allie catches there watching Ricky Starks, her Texas brethren... He's not going to win. And you know what? He still had a fantastic showing. And how did those strap sounds sound to you? Oh, my God. That was... Overwhelming? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, again, just so gay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's got, he's got the shiny little shorts. He's sticking his butt out and just, just whipped and whipped and whipped and... Just the the muscles on his back and the little red from the strap and everything. Uh, I got to let everyone know, I didn't even try to explain things really gay. You know, like, I could explain things gayer than they are. No, you were like, look at it. Objectively explaining things to Pitar throughout this whole weekend. There was no denying (laughs) that I was not being rude or being judgmental when I said wrestling is gay. Wrestling is so fucking gay. I just I want to bring up Aussie Open for a second because we were watching them on TV and I think they're a very talented tag team. But there's a very large beefy gentleman with a mustache protecting his young twink boy in their matching outfits and it's very hard to describe this sort of interaction. Wait, this is the guy with the absurdly large bottom? Yes. Okay. <laughs> this is. It's a powerful buttocks. Uh, but the whole thing just felt like daddy protecting his boy. Yeah. And as we watched more and more wrestling over the course of the weekend, my event didn't even seem that gay anymore. It felt pretty in line with everything <laughs> yes. else. It felt pretty much like we could have leaned in a little bit more if we really wanted people to know this was the gay show. Sorry to everyone involved. I'm glad your efforts are there. Pretty gay. Pretty, uh, pretty gay. Okay, do we need to hop back on the timeline? Let's hop back on the timeline. Okay. We're getting excited. Uh, Friday night, before Pitar got there. Now, you did arrive in time for the main event, which was Hijo del Vikingo versus Nick Gage of the GCW uh, Friday night event. You're going to be so annoyed at this. You don't pronounce the H. All right, so you say it. Hijo? Okay, so Hijo del Vikingo. I'm going to say it how I want. All right, I'm a southern fucking wrestler, and that's my homie Vikingo. Thank you, Ryan, for that correction on our Patreon. Listen, I promised that I would bring it up this El week. Hijo del Vikingo. I just I don't want to sound like a fucking dick either. 
all right? And the, you're in America right now, son. So we're going to say, he ho del vikingo. That's the son of the Viking. As Gringo says, where's the son of the Viking? I'm That's gonna, probably why he says it that way. I'm going to die if next week he goes, no, you got it wrong, too. <laughs> We're all wrong. <laughs> Everyone's wrong. Vikingo versus Nick Gage was the main event you walked in on. But before He's that. crazy. Nick Gage? Both of them are crazy. They're both crazy. Nick Gage just has all this radiating energy coming off of him. Yeah. he's uh, He's been through the, the wormhole. He's been through life. He's experienced things many other humans will not experience. It's a, the insight into the weekend. I had a lot of fungal moments. Yeah, yeah. I did not have any. I was sober Sally for Friday, and I could just feel everything coming off of him. So, Nick, like, that's there regardless of your mental state. Yeah. Nick Gage is the person I brought up with my grandmother when I said, um, you know, Jesus died and rose again. Nick Gage did it on camera, and he's still trying to die every night of his life. This is a man who has gone to prison for robbing a bank. This is a man who has died before for eight minutes, declared dead. And this is a man who gave me one of the best, most uh, standout matches of my career in Chicago four years ago, almost to this day of this weekend, and is still going at it at the highest level, having a match with one of the craziest luchadors of all time, who is going to be going to Germany with me next week which I'm very, very excited to have the King Nick Gage with us in Germany, uh, and is someone that I think understands live performance better than about anyone in the business. Mm. Now, he did come to me the other day, and he said he didn't tell the story right when I was discussing the match with Nick Gage. And I said, Nick, I didn't want to give them too much insight. And he gave me permission to say this here. We met at the show where I was fighting Orange Cassidy, and I told that story that I've told before that he brought up at a later time. But apparently, at this time, uh, Nick Gage had been informed by GCW management that it was possible that I was going over for the championship. That it was very possible Effie was coming in to beat Nick Gage for the championship in Chicago after his first singles match. I had done a spring break where I was in the clusterfuck, and I had, had one singles match with Orange Cassidy. And the idea was that I would come in and beat Nick Gage for the title because it would fuck everybody's brains up. And Nick Gage then responded with, I'm going to put you through a fucking ultra-violent test. And he said, you didn't fucking flinch. And you took all that shit. And you didn't even want to go over. And that's what made you a man in my eyes. So he wanted me to clarify for the record that he was testing the fuck out of me at that point And that I survived the test. And here we are four years later. And Chicago is a second home for me. I love being in Chicago. I'm very excited that Chicago has uh, taken me in to this level. Come here, beautiful. And that Nick Gage still sees me as someone who is trying to put my heart and soul into professional wrestling because he would accept nothing less. I love you. I love you. She needs some love. So, after that clarification, uh, earlier in the night, Bussy got bussed up because... We had to fight violences forever, and we had our fucking asses handed to us, which I said, well, this looks real good. The night before my big show, to have my ass kicked by Dom and Koo, our old buddies. Me and Allison have known Dom and Koo. Where's that name come from? Violences forever. Or is it just a thing? It's probably something that you could recognize. Okay. I don't know. They're real weird emo boys. Okay. 
because there's a legendary one album metal band that has a huge song called Violence is Forever. This is probably something to do with it. I don't ask a lot of questions, Peter. I also finished your metal playlist. I had a bunch of energy coming home from the vape store last night. Yeah. I made your metal playlist and the vlog for this week. Let's go. I love that energy. I did not have that energy. I'm glad you had it. Here we are. (laughs) This weekend was... The key to my year was contained in this weekend. Wow. Yeah. I don't, don't go further with that. Hold that. Hold that thought. Cause I don't, do I need to know? I don't need to know. No, that's yeah. me. That's, that's you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, was gonna say, this I knew like I it's, knew you. it's interesting because I knew I had a big switch up in my own personal astrology this weekend. And it's very funny to know these things going into it. And then when you get there and you live through the thing and you see the shape and the form of that energy that you're experiencing, you go, wow, I knew something was coming, but I didn't know exactly how this would be. And it's just, I don't, it, it broke open my enjoyment for life again. Good. (coughs) Sorry, I just coughed out your enjoyment for life. (laughs) That's wonderful to hear. And I'm glad it didn't just exhaust you from my world completely. No, I feel restored, rejuvenated. I feel like I'm human again. <laughs> give me some of that. I need a little bit of that. Just a, just a little bit of that. Just give me a little bit of that. I need to be restored. What's uh? You ever see that movie Wanted, where Angelina Jolie goes in that wax yeah. pit? Girl, I could use a wax pit. I'm I'm thinking about it. Uh. We got our asses kicked by Violence is Forever. It was a whole kerfluffle, and I just had to live with it. But luckily, you came around after that, and you got the first experience of uh, what I call the Effie line. How did the Effie line make you feel? It was it was long. It was long. You were right. It's the longest line that there is. Maki Ito left before us, which to me, she's my she's who I look to as like the merch goddess. Our line was extremely long, and I'm starting to realize I can't even carry enough stock when I come in with an overweight suitcase to keep up with the demand, and I wish I could. I'm not trying to brag on myself. I'm a little disappointed in myself because we ran out of uh, Barbie XLs almost immediately, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't slow down. It doesn't stop. The line does not end. Where does the line end? All right, now I'm going to put you on the spot. Who's right, me or Allie? I'm not going into detail. Ugh. Oh, God. Why would you do this to me? I know. <laughs> You're both wrong. Oh, no. That's the cop out. No. You're just supposed to say I'm right about everything. No, you You both have good points, and I don't know how to make those. Um, we'll figure it out. Yeah. We're working towards it. Again, mother, father. Mother not... and father are fighting. Yeah. Let us let us fight. We're not fighting. We're just we're having very spirited conversations that must be had. But it's also it's that thing that you were talking about on the mini sode Patreon, please please support. Um you both of you are at a place where it's like, okay, what's the roadmap here? Right. And so there isn't an easy answer to the question of who is right and who is wrong because you are making your own rules, which, okay, in, in magic, there's this idea called true will. And it's the idea that every single, it's the whole, every woman and man is a star. Okay. And so the idea is that when we're born on this planet, there is something that you are, there is a destiny that you are supposed to be fulfilling. There is a shape and a form of the energy that you are supposed to be expressing And each person has their own individualistic version 
of what that is. And so it does not make sense to look at anyone else and say, what is my true will? Because that's someone else's. Right. And you two are living an authentic version of that to where you can't really look anywhere else you have to look inward which is the most frustrating shit in the entire world because you go oh it's all me fuck (laughs) (laughs) my co-star today was one must be chaos to give birth to a star and i felt the chaos oh my god i'm living in the chaos i love that this uh i I believe when we spoke kind of previously about what this year would look like previously previously yeah i choose my words correctly you know i go to england next week brother okay going to england uh that this week would be more um taking in sort of where my legacy was at and now i'm realizing that it is figuring out how my legacy is going to sit and it is a lot more work than i expected it to be other than like look it's effie look what he did look at all the things effie did and more like Effie, you got to figure out what the fuck Effie is and what you're going to do with it. Uh, and so I am, I needed that message because there is chaos all the time. I'm constantly in a state of chaos. I'm constantly sitting around airports going like, what am I doing? What am I, what am I even doing? But we are going to be born into stars. We are creating it now. We are taking it in. And luckily I have a partner like Allie who we are allowed to talk and we are allowed to figure things out and we are allowed to find what the next step is and learn together and grow together. And that's a magic thing to have. But while we're in the thick of it, it can be a little bit hectic. Yeah. And luckily we know when to give each other space too. And we found plenty of that this weekend after the show, we were staying at the beautiful Starcast hotel. What a phenomenal time. We got a little bit of time to rest, but as you know, Leaning into a big gay brunch, even though it's on a day early and even though it is a an hour later than usual, I had a lot to do. And I made a lot of lists. I prepared ahead. I had to get people in. I had to get things ready. Uh, before I knew it, it was time to go back to the Grand Sports Arena for big gay brunch. Hang on. Hold up. Okay, so I get into town. Yeah. Let's get let's hop into that real quick. Okay. okay. Oh so <laughs> I had I had perfect travel blessings the yeah. entire way through. Oh no issues or anything. I show up. The first thing I find out is that Paro's flight has caught in fire. Oh, one of a hundred things that was going yeah. wrong already. Um, and so I get picked up by... Pollo Del Mar and adorable Anthony Andrews. And um, we're supposed to get Paro at that point, but... You know, just the the chaos of everything had already started. Was already Lucifer. Come here, ma'am. You're a baby. You're a baby. <laughs> the most violent noises for no violence at all. Just the sweetest little bean. And, okay, so we get to the venue, and you start introducing me to everyone, and uh, I walk up and I shake hands with Brett. Yes. And uh, I say, oh, I've heard so much about you. And uh, he says, oh, I've heard so much about you. And he's like, about 50% of it's been good. And I was like, right back at you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> what an interaction to have right away. Uh, and then standing, there's the most ridiculous shit ever. Standing, you know, trying to, I was talking to, oh, I forget his name. He was in a really cute, twinky gay wrestler. Um fuck i don't know it was a vibe though 
uh, we're just, just, you know, kind of talking, like trying to blend into the background and everything. And Gringo Loco is in front of me and he turns around and goes, I know your voice. Where do I know your voice from? <laughs> and I was like, oh, hey, I'm Peter. I do Daffy's podcast. He's like, I, I love the podcast. I listen to it every week. And I was like, oh, my God, I got recognized by one of my the people. My voice. It's crazy. You can see, crazy. though, the only part of this that's difficult for me is with people listening to the podcast who are within the industry now, I sometimes forget I've already told a lot of my stories. And so I find myself repeating myself more. And I feel a little bit like when you take grandma to the home and you'll like start to talk. And then they go, we heard that already on your podcast, grandma. And you go, okay, I'll think of another one to talk about now. Uh, but I love Gringo tuning in. And it's helped me and Gringo become much closer friends having his we, knowledge. We also skipped to the end of the weekend. We're driving to the hotel to sleep for a couple hours before hopping on the flight. Who is in front of us on the drive? Gringo Loco. We run into him at the airport right before we turn into the freaking... Uh, I go, there's no way Gringo Loco's in front of us right now. I saw his car. <laughs> You're I saw like, decal. let's just hit him. Let's just hit him. <laughs> <laughs> no. But it was also... you. There's a magic of like... We acknowledged each other, and then we were both so exhausted that we were like, oh, right. His, his head literally just hung when he recognized <laughs> that it was you. It was like, we don't, we're good. We don't, have to, we don't have to continue on this path anymore. Uh, yeah, fantastic. We love Gringo Loco. Gringo also helped with the lighting and sound this weekend, too, which is why it looks so cool at Effie's Big Gay Brunch. And it was awesome. Uh, but uh, he's, he's an even more talented wrestler than he is a lighting and sound production guy. So it's good to have him on the wrestling squad. Uh, yeah, you got, you got a pretty quick introduction to everything. And I think like right away you realized, uh, you were in the thick of it. Yeah. Like there wasn't, yeah, 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 it yeah. wasn't like an ease in. No. I snuck you through the side door and it was like, here we are. You're in it. This is happening. Also, they're fighting right there in front of you. <laughs> Buckle up, kid. Uh, you did not have to watch my match, which it was great. I just want to say it was great, but it, it's also just me getting my ass kicked for a while, which is fine. Um, and fast forward, it's time to go to Big Gay Brunch. I want to shout out Kid Bandit. Yes. Because I got to be honest, was not in the best mood of my life. You could tell. Uh, and Kid Bandit showed up and was just a shining glimmer of joy. Just a ray of sunshine. Like, took a red-eye flight to be there in time. Got to the hotel, you know, with an hour to spare. We chilled for a second. Got in my car and just, like brought this jovial spirit and energy into the vehicle that like I think it saved my life. I think it brought me to life and saved me and made things feel magical again. You know what I mean? And I sometimes have to be reminded what a cool experience this is for a lot of people to get. And not just, you know, Kid Band has been on a lot of big gay brunches, but sort of a an overview of uh it's a really big show for a lot of people. And it's, well, it's, it's just like the, there's so much about wrestling that is contagious in the spirit of everyone. And they were just excited to be there. Yes. Which that is, you can't fake that. No. And, and when it's real, it's just, you're like, Oh shit, I'm excited to be here. And she even said something along the lines of like, you know, you can do this for money, but really like the joy that you get from it is so much more pure and exciting. And like, there was nothing else I needed to hear more than Kid Bandit saying, like, you just got to find the joy in this shit. Yeah. Because it helped me find the joy in this shit. Now, needless to say, I did show up and immediately announced the rule that you don't ask Effie. 
Like there's, if it gets to me, you've asked every adult in this building, which seems really harsh on a show called Effie's Big Gay Brunch, but there is a bit of, uh, sometimes the, it's easy to just go ask Effie, right? Like it's, it's the easiest thing in the world. I know the answers to everything, but I'm also like, everyone here is smart adults and you can figure it out. And they, for the most part did. And that was phenomenal. Uh, I was very mean to Paro. <laughs> I kept going, stop telling me Paro, just do it. Just do it, Paro, which, you know, ended with Baby Bop being demolished. Uh, kind of ruined the Baby Bop meet and greet once they knew it was Jimmy Lloyd under the mask. But we did the best we could. We uh, we made the most of it. Uh, what was it like taking in that show versus the other shows of the weekend? I understood everything that was happening in Big Gay Brunch. Like the through line of everything was very clear. It was entertaining without a lot of confusion as to what was actually happening. Whereas everything else, I just had too many questions. I couldn't understand everything. Okay. I like that. I want it to be easily accessible for people, but also like if you're deep in it, you understand it as well. Because the, the reason why I will never watch any of the big TV stuff is because I have like a gazillion hours of Wikipedia to dig through before I can like have a handle on what's happening. Whereas I'm like, I'm sure there is a deeper level to everything that's happening at Big Gay Brunch. But as an outsider, I can just be there and watch and enjoy. And it's that simple. Yeah, you don't have to do the prerequisite 50 hours of TV to get to the feud it's, culmination. It's the reason why I don't watch certain things, you know, just regular TV and everything. Because it's like, oh, I have, you know, 30 years of fan shit to get through before I can, like, glean on to what is happening in this. Yes. And I would rather just be entertained without all the homework. And luckily, I mean, we also have the benefit of only having those shows a few times a year. But I think you have to take that into like concept when you're putting these shows together is like, we're not running weekly television. We're not uh, constantly putting these characters in front of you. These are people who are wrestling all the time, all over the place, but we need to put them in an environment where like in this vacuum and in this place, it makes sense right away. What's going on. No paperwork storylines either. We did watch two shows the night before on TV and both of them, different wrestling shows featured paperwork as a, Part of the storyline, which explaining that to you was like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of like tropes in wrestling that we sort of think are normal. But a grown adults fighting over paperwork in a physical altercation, not always happening, not really a common thread. <laughs> and in both shows, paperwork was very important to very what was important. happening. Look at this paperwork. You better not touch this paperwork. You better not mess up this paperwork. <laughs> and it's hard to have that be a real motivator for a normal human being if they don't have the years of kind of prior understanding that paperwork... Look, most of my adult life is about avoiding paperwork. Well, why are they fighting? It's over the paperwork. Someone messed up the... Pa you better not mess up the paperwork. You better pay attention to this paperwork. And you better know that the pa what the paperwork says, that's what's happening with your fight. Yeah, I can see it being a little bit confusing uh in the in that whole sense uh i do want to speak to the main event of big a brunch number one shout out sunny kiss who is on their own journey now i don't have to get into it any more than that but shout out also pimpinella escarlata and i want to say that if you let me just brag on myself for one second here on my podcast 
not only did we bring another legend back to the light. Now, first, Pimpinella did not remember that we had fought before at another okay, Effie's Big Gay Brunch. telling this. And we start putting the match together, and thank God Gringo Loco is there and is my Spanish translator and understands Effie and understands what we're doing. And God bless their heart. Sunny Kiss wants to show off, wants to have a great match. Ali Catch, always a consummate professional, wants to have a great match. And me, knowing Pimpinella, I'm going, she's in control, y'all. Just let her do whatever she wants to do. And they're not really, I'm trying to politely put that across. We start calling this, and then I said, hey, why don't we do the spot where you bite my privates again? And we change it a little. And she kind of glowed up at me. And I realized then that that was the first time she remembered that it was the same person. And she said, your hair was different. I said, yes, Rubio, Rubio. Uh, and then she said, I fought you before. I said, yes, <laughs> at my show, which makes me so excited that she's just the kind of professional who's like, you pay my rate? I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> See you then. Uh, she recognized me because I brought up biting my genitals again, which I must say, she bit them many less times this time, but she still bit them every time we called that match. And I have... No notes. I have nothing to say. Uh, Pimpinella Escarlata, you can bite my cock whenever you want, and it is fully allowed. I give full consent to Pimpinella to bite my cock. Uh, Sonny looked phenomenal in the main event. I love this. Sonny looked so strong in the main event, and I think going forward, Sonny has had very few opportunities to fully go out and be Sonny, and I love that I have this sort of outlet where I can have someone come in and say, I want you to be the version of you that is you today. And I think there's very few places for that anymore in wrestling because we're all given instruction. We're told what to do. We're told what the booking card is. And uh, little did I know that that would mean Sonny lifting me above their head <laughs> fully. We were backstage trying the move a little bit. And she goes, I don't know if I can get you up. I said, trust me, just we'll get out there and you'll do it. All 228 pounds of Effie were lifted above the head of Sunny Kiss and then just thrown like I was a bag of potatoes onto the ground. Incredible stuff. Victory for Pimpinella and Sunny Kiss. I want everyone to know, not by choice, really, I did one move that whole match and it was me running my butt into someone else. That was the only move I did in my whole match of my show named after me in the main event. Why? Because I was there to show off how awesome this legend and this truly another legend uh, were. And I wanted to give them that platform. And it's fucking awesome. Second to that, sidebar, way later, I'm getting Pimpinella a car at the Starcast Hotel. And this is post some internet shenanigans, which stopped us from trending for a minute. Thanks, Phil. I'm getting the car for Pimpinella, and I run into the Hardy Boys, Jeff and Matt Hardy. And now Jeff, I had met in Detroit for a few minutes, but you know, I'm sure Jeff's met 10,000 people, but Matt recognized me and started speaking to me. And as we started having a conversation about, oh, I'm getting Pimpinella a car, Pimpinella runs up and gets a selfie of all four of us together. And I had to have Gringo track that picture down. So glad I did. What a phenomenal selfie out of nowhere of Pimpinella, Jeff and Matt Hardy and Effie, just the boys, just doing the work. Uh, but the show was phenomenal and I can't deny I didn't have a great time. Uh, it was so hot in that building. People brought the energy. The brunch was delicious. Everyone had a good time. I did poppers at the merch table. Signed poppers. I signed the the poppers and I did the poppers. I signed the vape. I didn't do the vape. Let me just say this. Please don't give me poppers at my merch table. I was feeling that. 
I that was a shoot. That was for shoot. He did poppers at his merch table. Can't help myself. It was a good time. Everybody was having fun. Uh, there were a lot of Twitch streamers there who are not really wrestling fans who showed up. This is we're connecting the whole world here and we're bringing it together. And Pitar, you had a great time at the big. I brunch. did. It was it was so weird watching people funnel into uh, the arena or whatever, and look at me, and then look back at me, and then kind of nervously walk the other direction, and then come over and be like, "Are you Peter? Are you? Are you? Are you?" I love it. I love it. So and I, weird. I wanted your ego to get it. that little stroke too. I love it. You know. Thank you so much to whoever brought me the three $2 bills. Um, just the angel numbers constantly, and that was beautiful. I signed a couple fans. That's crazy. awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Celebrity moments. Who will you run into a Big A Brunch? Pitar of Weekend at Effie's right there, accessible at the table. We're all right there. We're all accessible. What a time. What am I leaving out? What am I leaving out of Big Gay Brunch? I don't want to skimp over it, but I'm all over the place today. Well, there was this incredible moment where uh, after Big Gay Brunch, we go back to the hotel and uh, Dennis Rodman comes out. <laughs> all right, y'all. This is, I don't want to be too epicentric on my worldview, but I gotta, I gotta ask, is this a rib? But it's also like he broke the guitar Jeff Jarrett did not break a guitar over anyone's head. Uh, Dennis Rodman did. Listen, y'all. How you were you were in the bathroom for that? I know. I had to walk away. Uh, Also, big news report: Effie seen walking out of the Dennis Rodman Jeff Jarrett segment at All Out to go to the bathroom. (laughs) Effie seen exiting the premises quickly. I said to someone, I said, well, we did a TikTok about Dennis Rodman. And they said, I saw it. And I said, everyone saw it. And then we get into the hotel after taking a family dinner trip to Sonic, which was adorable. Allie and Effie took the children out for for Sonic. Uh, Got to the hotel, settled in to watch Collision. And who do I see? I Okay, I love how both Allie and I were trying to feed you unsuccessfully the entire weekend. Listen, I know what I'm doing. There's there's a certain pattern of eating that I handle over these weekends, and a lot of times that hot dog sits. That hot dog does be sitting, uh, and it's fine. And I live, and it's good, and I'm not exactly 228 pounds a day, but I think I'm settling out. I'm settling a little bit. I did eat a lot of DoorDash this week, but it hasn't really stuck, if you know what I mean. Uh, now I know that Dennis is going to be on collision, but then of course I see it and who is Dennis doing a segment with, but the one and only double J Jeff Jarrett. And I'm kind of looking around going, now, wait a second. (laughs) I invite him to my show. He doesn't come. That's fine. Goes to collision. I get it. But then the segment he's doing is with the one and only double J Jeff Jarrett, the man who owes me a win, who owes me something, who owes me 10% possibly. I don't know, but it was making me think that this whole thing was a rib where they're all poking each other going, wait till Effie sees this one. And you know what? That's fine. I'm an adult, and I'm good, and I have many successes in my life, and if they need it, then they can take it. But I did hear from someone later, be glad you weren't dealing with Rodman, and that's all I'm going to say about that. (laughs) We did have the Rodman moment. Luckily, that night we got a little bit of a calm, a little relaxation. We didn't have to be anywhere. There wasn't another show. We got to chill in the room. You got to meet Adam Priest, Mm -hmm. who brought that southern side out of me. He so he finds out I'm from Africa and then constantly refers to me as my fellow African. 
He's something else. I will he tell really you is. That. Delightful Southern gentleman. Delightful Southern gentleman, that Adam Priest. Uh, there was one thing that you said where you're like, it is really funny how you hear his accent and then you hear the stuff, like the very progressive stuff that comes out of his <laughs> mouth and how it just doesn't quite line Never up. has anyone in that accent said, what do y'all think about a man fighting a woman and had his answer, which is yeah. anyone who can consent to being in a fight in the ring should be taken seriously as a competitor and should be treated as someone that's equal across from them. Like, just it blows your mind because you're waiting for that accent to be like, we all think about a man fighting a woman and then them to go into some like conservative diatribe. No, he's like, no, you should be able to sell that like any other fight. They're consenting to being in the ring as a fellow performer and you should be able to treat them as such. And you're like, yeah, that's the most progressive shit I've heard all day. <laughs> what a way to put it, brother. Uh, he earlier in the day took a choke slam from Satnam Singh, who is over seven feet tall. And someone in the audience thought that it was real and called the paramedics. And then the paramedics legally had to go check on him because they don't understand wrestling. <laughs> they were at the building and they were like, we legally have to check you. And he's like, what are you talking about? And they're like, because from your injury from the choke slam. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, that's uh, that's okay. All right, come on over and check me out. I'm okay. He goes, at that point, I'm already having beers. I don't know what to tell him. <laughs> Wrestling is a funny thing. And as much as we think everyone's in on everything, you find out some people still have no clue what the fuck's going on. And on Sunday, we got to have a very fun day. Oh, I do want to say, I during the merch line, I did turn to you and say, I'm so sorry, but Dark Sheik is my favorite wrestler. What did and I say? You said, that's good because Dark Sheik is also my favorite Dark wrestler. Dark Sheik is my favorite wrestler. She said, what if I dress up like Marlena and I come out smoking a fat blunt instead of a cigar? And I was like, never have you told me a bad idea. This is the best idea. She goes, can I light it in there? I go, I don't give a fuck what you do, Dark Sheik. And she just rolled to the ring in that beautiful gold dress, smoking that cigar, being Marlena, and it fucking ruled. And luckily, with the changes in the card, we got a women's triple threat with Lufisto, with Kid Bandit, with Dark Sheik, and it was badass as fuck. And no notes. No notes. Let people do what they're good at. That's what I say. And she's good at kicking ass, wearing gold dresses, and smoking blunts. And it worked out. Totally in my favor, because it was on my show. <laughs> no offense, Dark Sheik's my favorite. Yeah, that's how we all feel. That's, <laughs> we, all, we all love Dark Sheik deeply, because she is in her own stratosphere, too. Like, she's not... She's done this such a long time, and she runs Hood Slam, and she's, she knows herself. She's it, not trying to impress anyone, and by not impressing anyone, she's impressing everyone. Yeah. It's just, again, we're just talking about inherent energy that people bring with their presence. It's just like something was different in that room. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was energy. It was real. I had to wake up early Sunday, and I told you to go back to bed. I went to bed and I woke up and then you woke up. I said, go back to bed. I don't even think you remember it. We both panic wake up, I think. Yeah, we do. 100% we both panic wake up. But I was trying to ease your panic because mine was not going to be eased. Um, here, I actually, uh, because I knew I had some, again, knowing my own astrology is such a game changer sometimes. Uh, I re-upped on my fitness tracker. Ooh. And so I can tell you what our sleep, or at least what my sleep was. Do we really want to this say this? Weekend. Um, Do we really want people to know this? So. This feels like a shroud of darkness over my head. We, okay. Friday night, we have an hour 51. Okay. 
and then we have 5.30 the next day. Okay. And then 4.50 Sunday. Okay. And then uh, Monday, 3.58. And then we get to back home in 13.20. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think you even got a little more than I did. Good measure on your part. Uh, thanks for hanging in there because it is... Sometimes when I come home and sleep, it's necessary, as you can find Did out. Did I show you the photo of me on the plane? No. Okay, no. This, I'm going to post this because it says literally everything. Weekendateffies.com, Patreon, join us. Join our tribe. Yes. <laughs> I didn't even make it to the picture-taking phase. I passed out before we took off, and I woke up when we landed. What a blessing. And I was still fully in need of sleep. The baby. What did you say with the baby? I don't even remember. It was something along the lines of like, uh, not cool, dude. <laughs> There's a baby behind me kicking the seat. And I think I just turned around and said, not cool, dude. <laughs> Which is not even a mark of the baby, but it's sort of the baby's parents of like, I could I could go deeper into it and be like, hey, could you call? Not cool, dude. <laughs> it's not cool to have your baby kicking my seat. Not cool. Figure it out. I heard that. And I was like, who is he? The bait is that he's talking to I'm the talking baby? to the baby. Not cool, dude. <laughs> That's as much energy <laughs> as I could give to it at that point. And me, of course, choosing the exit seats where I'm obviously going to help people. If there's a, a crash, I have to wait for the person to, to give me the signal so I can say yes. Once you got the yes out of me, I was done. I was cooked. Go to bedtime. Then I came back home and went to bed. Now, we're not going to skip over Sunday. One of possibly the most important days. Okay. Re- sorry. Real quick. Yeah. There was something I felt very... So lot, lots and lots and lots, lots of like gratitude this weekend just towards everyone and being around everyone. And um, I definitely expressed a lot of that on the live podcast. But there was something to being in a room with a bunch of wrestlers with... That AEW, um, the Tony Khan, no blinky um, statement and everyone's reaction to that. And just, I don't, it's like, it doesn't matter, but it's one of the coolest, it's the partially the coolest I've ever felt like, oh shit, I've just been hanging out with these people all weekend (laughs) and there's. They know everything that is happening within this, and there's significance to that. And then going to that pay-per-view, like the whole weekend felt like it was leading up to us getting to that pay-per-view in a weird way. I felt we had to go. Of just the 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 presentation of wrestling versus all the people that are putting it together and all like the real emotions and thoughts and feelings of every human involved. And then it, I saw the... Like the kayfabe of it, but then also like the real nuts and bolts of how the whole thing was working. I was like, I got to see how you got a real insider's tale. Yeah, yeah, it was very, very fucking cool. Uh, that's awesome. Well, we're gonna get into even more nuts and bolts now. Now, Sunday, I, I woke up early and I did my Starcast meet and greet, and luckily I was next to Lash Larue, uh, who made his comeback match after 13 years against Joey Janela Friday night, and he also drew me Sunday morning. At his table. We will have that picture up behind me soon. I think he captured my energy pretty yeah, well. Yeah. Uh, Lash LaRue, such a pro. So much fun. What a what a gentleman to chat with. And really, you know, we can blame it on a few things. But for whatever reason, I woke up this Sunday 
with some kind of gratitude in my heart because I was fully happy with everyone stopping me in the hallway and recognizing me a hundred times a day. And even getting through, I did a bar stool interview there where I told a very silly story uh, and had a good time with that. Uh, you know, luckily you and Cole met up and we figured everything out before the live podcast, the live podcast, which will be out soon, I think was heartwarming and wonderful and gives a beautiful insight into some of our guests, including Cole Radrick and others. And, uh, I was having a good time being Effie. Sometimes I'm not, sometimes it's too much. Sometimes, especially after a weekend like that, it is a little too much to continue being Effie. It is, it feels exhausting. Yeah. And you can kind of understand that, but I also saw the logical conclusion to this and I ran into Billy Starks and she said, well, I've got some extra tickets. And I said, you know what? Nine times out of 10, Allie goes to the pay-per-view after everything. And I go, I don't know how you're doing it. I couldn't walk into a room right now and be recognized anymore. And I couldn't sit through another wrestling show, but I thought about it. And I said, when else, when else am I going to get to take Peter to the big pay-per-view where the main event is two people I've made out with fighting each other? (laughs) Like what a bizarre thing. Um, So we took them up on the offer and we went to all out and I don't, if I tell this, I'm going to sound like a dick. What was it like walking into All Out with Effie? Hey, Effie. What's going on, Effie? Oh, Effie. Oh, hey. I mean, I'm not exaggerating. It was every third person was stopping to say hello to Effie, and I was fine with it. Usually, it's overwhelming for me. I could feel your joy Sunday morning. There was a different joy coming Mm. off of me. There wasn't a, I wasn't stressed. I was done. I was good. I was embracing the Effie. And uh, usually at that point in the weekend, I am not. So I am trying to turn that leaf and see that, you know what, there's no, what consequence are you scared of, of being recognized and having people uh, be brought joy by your presence? Now, we got to the seats finally. Everything took hold. We saw many of our friends there. I had a business conversation about our podcast while we were sitting in those chairs. We sat next to two of the young fans who met us Friday night, which was very awesome. We got some snacks. We watched the pay-per-view. And as you put it, everyone who came out, I had some little quipper story about our history together. And that's when I realized I'm pretty sure I know about everybody on this roster and have interacted with about everybody on this roster. Was that, did it bring clarity to you for the event or was it just like kind of, did it shrink the world? I don't really know what I'm asking. Yeah. I think it did shrink the world a little bit, but in a, in a way that I like, I enjoy that aspect of it. Right. Where, the again like the insight of us watching it before you know and like seeing everything that was going to happen the next day and then actually being there you know what the whole thing it felt the whole weekend was one giant curb your enthusiasm episode (laughs) where you get to the end and you know it's it's Chekhov's gun and it's completely gone off at that point like everything that was preluded up until that point had a payoff to it yeah and a big part of that payoff was you going okay so here's the deal with this person here and then me turning you and going did you see how there's a painting of those two guys one of them is a centaur and the other is riding the back of the centaur and you're like no and i was like well i took a photo because i'm pretty sure i was hallucinating i wasn't it's a real thing yeah that's uh there's a There's a lot of that weird tongue-in-cheek stuff. There's choices that they make where I go, no one would make this decision. (laughs) 
pro wrestling. Pro wrestling. They make the choices. Uh, I will say, no offense to any of the performers, by the time the Young Bucks match happened, it was too many matches. Was that the really, 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 really long one? Yeah. God. The one right before the very end? I remember turning you and being like, I have no idea what happened. Yeah. It was a lot of men. It was a lot of action. And it I, kept okay. going. Who's the guy that does the the little shimmy dance? Which little the white sh- pants? Uh, oh, Dango Garcia. Okay. Yeah. Are we going to talk about Daniel Garcia? That might have been the silliest thing I saw all weekend. Well, that's the funny part about this is that I watched this man be the most serious, pure rules, ring of honor style wrestler. And now every time he gets in that ring, he's just shaking his little hips. I will say I was front row for the gray sweatpants battle royal when he was an entrant. And I'm sorry for being a pervert. (laughs) I'm not sorry for being a pervert. Whatever. He's a handsome young man, and he needs to shake his little hips. And I'm glad he's realized that his sports entertaining uh, moves are even more entertaining than his pro wrestling moves. He's a very talented professional wrestler, but watching him do his little hip thrusts, there's nothing better. That's like, it's the core of wrestling. I mean, it's gayer than the gay brunch to just watch a man (laughs) in white denims do hip thrusts and just be... (laughs) He hip thrusted all the way up the ramp, Peter. He just kept hip thrusting. I can't be stopped. I just let's just watch him do the hip thrust. That's the whole pay per view. Let him hip thrust. Let that boy hip thrust. Uh, final match are good for an Orange Cassidy taking on John Moxley. Two men I kissed. Uh, very bloody affair. Did you did you feel that it was a main event quality? The biting was alarming. A lot of biting. A lot of biting. The, you know, once I started looking at it through the view of like, here's me explaining wrestling to an objective sort of bystander, you know, at that point, really, you're not, you're kind of all the way in. It's, it just kept being gayer than, uh, I could even make it. I, okay. One thing I did appreciate, and this is, I'm not trying to critique everyone's gear and everything, but the shiny boy butt thing is sometimes a little distracting Whereas, because I mean, like, come on, like they're just they're highlighting their asses and they're like, let's throw some Swarovskis on there, you know, just let me put crystals on my butt wear for my fight. And then with all the lights and everything in there, it's just like, ooh, every time he moves, spiky little, yeah, spiky little baby. And Orange Cassidy and Moxley were in like street clothes. Yeah, they look like they are getting to a fucking fight. And it felt if it, it felt real. added to it for you. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of goes Moxley's back to that. Terrifying. Yeah, he's very good Holy at that. Shit. He's a very scary man. Uh he was in pretty much sweatpants, I think, which is just very much like your stepdad beating you kind but of so energy. So was um the Orange Cassidy was wearing um sweat his jeggings. Jeans. Jeggings, yes. <laughs> That's his his uh signature Orange Cassidy look is his jeggings uh and his little little coat. And, you know, this is really it's a large scale character development because he's gone from the most apathetic wrestler in the world who constantly has little schemes to get out of things to giving a shit. So we were watching the first time that he really had to give a shit and he still came up short. So there's a lot of there's a lot of deep character work being done there in that match and seeing him bleed that way and bite back and try his best. Sometimes he doesn't always try. And that's what we are enamored by with Orange Cassidy. But to see him try his best and still come up short, I think there's more support behind that than if he had tried his best and succeeded the first time. Now he has something to continue to rise to. And that was his 30th title defense of the international championship. And he finally lost it. 
And who was there to pick him back up? But his best friends. They're really, they're called that, the best friends. The the people that came out at the very end. Yeah. It's the best friends. Okay. Chuck and Trent. Okay. Chuck Taylor. That's the first indie DVD I bought. I said, Chuck, you're the first indie DVD I bought. And he said, I'm sorry. <laughs> Which <laughs> sticks with me to this day. I love it. Good for you, Chuck. Good for you, Trent. Got to have your best friends there to pick you back up. And we did. We had them. We made it home. We're safe. We're a week removed. And I'm going to go to the Mall of America. And then I'm going to go to Brooklyn. Then I'm going to go to the UK. And then I'm going to go to Germany. Then I'm going to go to Washington State. Then I'm going to go to New Jersey. Then I'm going to go to Japan. Then I'm going to go to LA. Then I'm going to fight back here in Atlanta. Yeah. We got we got a lot ahead. Thank you for bringing me this weekend. Thank you for taking I, it in. I needed it. I needed, I needed it. you in it. I couldn't, there's still the, there was a disconnect always of me explaining everything to you here. And now you got to stand in the middle of the chaos. Everyone is so like, I know, I know that I have the cards stacked in my favor in this regard. Everyone's so fucking nice. I told them if they were mean to you, they were unbooked. <laughs> so if you're mean to Pitar, you're unbooked. So yeah, they better be. No, but I'm glad you had a good time. Um, no, we were, we were leaving the pay-per-view, and Cole was getting a different ride, and he just came up and gave me this giant hug and said, anytime you want to come, you are so welcome here. You are so loved here. And I just, there are moments that I have in my life where I go, I must be doing something right, and that was one of those. The sweetest boy, too. Yeah. All love for Cole Roderick here, and all love for you, Pitar. I'm glad you came. Now, don't get too choked up. We've got okay. questions okay. to do. We got questions. We got questions to do. <laughs> okay. First one is from Drugs Delaney. Sorry, I'm high as shit. This is on all caps, by the way. Sorry, I'm high as shit before work. I'd love to know Pitar's thoughts on his first wrestling convention. <laughs> Pitar, thoughts? Um... Okay, the, because we've already gotten into a lot of this, uh, my main thought is, what's up with those guys that wear the belts around? You mean just like regular fans who are wearing yeah. the belts? I don't know, but I always want to fight them for the belts. It seems like a lot to carry. It's heavy. It's a lot of weight. The, I mean, the replica belts weigh the same as a belt, so they are just carrying these around. But I guess where else would you wear them? Where else would you show them off but the wrestling convention? Plus, in a lot of cases, they're getting them... Signed by people who have held the belts. Right. And where else are you going to find all those champions in one place? Right. But at the wrestling convention. I did. Someone had a like little purse bag thing that was styled like a belt, and I thought that was really cool. Yeah, like a fanny pack that mm -hmm. looks like a championship. Yeah. Those got popular in the last few years. Fanny pack's wonderful addition to the wrestling world, because otherwise my pants don't have pockets, so I would lose everything. Oh, thank you to Megan for the copy of Tar. Yes. <laughs> and congratulations on your wedding. Yes. At their uh, wedding, uh, Megan and her husband gave out a bunch of random DVDs to people. What DVD were you specifically given? Uh, I have to go look at it because it was a weird DVD. Jarhead. Was it? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Why was I given Jarhead? Because Jake Gyllenhaal's naked little butt in that movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> good for you, Jake Gyllenhaal. Sometimes I'm told I look like if Jake Gyllenhaal was allowed to eat cream cheese. Cream cheese. Hey, you know he can't have cream Gyllenhaal. cheese. Gyllenhaal. No. No, 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 no. I'll have it for him. I'll have two servings. I like mine with onions and chives. Okay, this is from Rob. Peter, how was your rec wrestling weekend adventure with Effie, and who are some of the coolest people that you met? 
everyone was super cool. Um, I can't specifically all, all of them, literally every single one of them. It was a great time. There was no one that was not wonderful to meet. Yeah, except for that one girl that attacked you in the parking lot. Now that would just be a wrestling trope. That did not happen. Pitar was not attacked in the parking lot. Thank God. Um. Okay, this is from Rick. Thank you for the coffee. Yes, thank for you. For Effie, was anyone else but Jimmy Lloyd supposed to be Baby Bop, or was he the first pick? When I announced Baby Bop, it was at a moment of frustration where I was not happy with how the promotion of the show was going. So the idea was to pop people with Baby Bop and then have her cancel the next day. And then when I saw it was on three news websites... And had that many retweets and notes about this better happen. I said, I better make it happen. And Jimmy Lloyd texted me and said, baby Bob, big get. And my first response was, do you think you'll fit in the costume? And Jimmy Lloyd is always the first go-to for things like that. Because number one, Jimmy Lloyd is very talented at wrestling, even under a baby Bob costume. And number two, Jimmy Lloyd is pretty much down to do anything. And I don't want anyone to have to be on my show that I'm showcasing as a part of the LGBTQ community that has to hide under a baby Bob costume. So originally, I was not going to have it revealed that Jimmy Lloyd was baby Bob, but obviously Pero had other plans. So no, there was never anyone else that was going to be baby Bob but Jimmy Lloyd. And God bless him for wrestling in that suit because it was so fucking hot and that suit was made of fur. It was, uh, it was, it was dangerous. When, when we got the suit, in the hotel room Friday night and he puts it on for the first time and it fits perfectly. Yeah. It literally, Perf- it was meant for it was, Jimmy Lloyd. This is my hole. <laughs> this is my hole. That was baby Bob uh, and Jimmy Lloyd. They were built for each other. Who else would be baby Bob, but Jimmy Lloyd, Jimmy fucking Lloyd. Uh, okay. Second part of the question for Peter, how does it feel to have so many new friends after this weekend? Um, I feel very safe because I feel like I have a bunch of wrestlers that I could call up at any point <laughs> to, to beat do- some ass. Yeah. yeah, you you roll with a gang now, Pitar. You roll with a full gang. Okay. This is from Mike. Music gets brought up a lot, so I wanted to ask y'all, how do you feel about ska? Funnily enough, there was ska playing before uh, the the live podcast. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed. There was ska playing. Yeah, if you if you watch my vlog, um, you will you will hear it. Okay, I did not notice the ska. I'm not uh, personally offended by any type of music. I'm never going to choose ska on purpose, and I think I can leave it at that. I don't want to piss off any ska fans out there. There was a there was a ska period of Peter's life. For sure. I think that's fine. I think everyone has. Yeah. A Scott, One time I a saw Scott Real Big era. Fish in concert. It wasn't on purpose. But, you know, I wasn't, it didn't turn me off, you know. It was just part of my day, you know. Oh, and I saw Real Big Fish. So, you know, good for Ska. Uh, shout out Ska Tune Network. Shout out Jer. Uh, shout out They Are the Union. Uh, there's certain cool Ska people out there. But it's not, I you know, it's not my choice. It's not by choice I'm going directly to Ska. Okay, this is from Kevin. Hi, Effie and Peter. I just joined the Patreon and enjoyed that Patreon merch discount. Yeah. And I, but I am a long, long-time fan of Effie's down here in hot-ass Texas. I was front and center of Big Gay Brunch 4 and can't wait for more magical Bussy and Friends. So I'm looking for a scoop here. Any possible chance of Effie and pals in the Dallas area next year? Uh, we've been trying to work out a Texas return date, especially to Dallas. 
Uh, I know I was frequenting Houston and Dallas and uh, Austin a lot more than I am currently. Uh, I'm working on it. Uh, 2024, look out for more Texas uh, Bussy and Texas Effie. Uh, I actually just had a date change on me where I was going to be back in Austin in January, but it's okay. We're working it out. I would love to get back down there. Uh, I don't have any definitive answer right now, but I am working on it. Uh, please be patient with me. Okay. Will ba- this is from Miguel. Uh, I believe we met this weekend. Lovely. Uh, will Baby Bop ever be coming back inside of a wrestling ring? I fucking hope not. Uh, that's... <laughs> I, I don't like having to do sort of cornball shit to get things over, but it did obviously get a lot of press to the Big Gay Brunch, and it obviously played out really well working with the Twink Gauntlet and having Baby Bop be the ultimate twink uh, coming out to the trap remix of Apples and Bananas. I thought that was genius. It worked out well. Pero got to beat up Baby Bop, but Pero also got defeated by Baby Bop. Anytime I can get to def- like embarrass Pero, I will take that moment because it's very hard to embarrass a man of that size and caliber after he defeats all these young twinks in the ring. So for Baby Bop to sneak in and get that done, uh, I mean, she is undefeated at this point. If she wants to return, she absolutely... I can't stop her from returning, but I'm hoping I don't have to... Uh, fall back into those ways anytime soon okay this is uh, also para related and <laughs> how was it working on a show one night and then running your own show the following afternoon in the same venue and did you yell at para again this year yes i yelled at para i told para to get the fuck out of my face multiple times sorry to para a little bit but not really uh i gotta be honest guys i don't know how much I have left in me. I'm saying this after the event, so I can't really be trusted with anything I'm saying right now. It is really exhausting sometimes to be on the schedule I'm on and then to have a weekend like that and to kind of jump. Like, there's not a rest period for me. I And it's my fault. I get it. You know, this is the career path I've chosen. Uh, thank God there's a little bit of time in between when I'm expected to do another big gay brunch. But when these opportunities are tossed at me right now, it's very hard for me not to immediately say no because I am on a travel schedule that's unreal. I literally landed from Australia last Tuesday. I left for Chicago last Thursday. I got home Monday. This is the longest period I'll have off, and I think my body knew it and shut down and said you're sleeping for three days. And now I leave tomorrow from all of America. I come home next week for two days, and then I go to UK. I go to Germany. Like I said, like the schedule is never-ending. There's not really a time to catch up with myself. And I, the last thing I want to do is completely burn myself out with enjoying any of this stuff by overdoing it. So hopefully, with a little break in between and not having a gay brunch for a little while, my spirit and heart will be you know, returned to wanting to host events. But hosting events while doing events is next level exhausting for me and it is wonderful my heart is full it's so good to see all these people succeeding and get opportunities and show their skills off the way they want to show them off but also i can't continually be the crux for how it happens and if there's not a team put into place that can kind of help me make it happen i am going to pull out before it kills me uh because my life is more important than running shows truly and i'm being a little dramatic i understand that but also it is, I'm cooked. I'm cooked. <laughs> okay. This, whoa, I read Miguel's questions backwards, and so we'll just start with the first one now. Okay, Effie slash Peter, it was nice meeting you both this weekend. I was wearing the Miss Doubtfire mask tee. Yes. Okay, great shirt. 
Uh, any thoughts on Smash Mouth Steve Hartwell, uh, Harwell's recent passing? Walking on the Sun was my jam back in the late 90s. Uh, yeah, this is probably going to be darker than you expected. Um, I live in a world currently where anything and everything is ex- is accessible to me, where people do not want to tell me no, where people do not want to step in and say, hey, maybe you should watch yourself. Uh, I haven't had a drink in over 10 years, but that doesn't mean I don't have other things that are easy to get to and and easy to access. In this world of rock and roll, if you are not looking out for yourself, nobody else is going to look out for you. The man died at 56 of liver failure. Uh, there were probably people around him telling him to be careful, but years of doing shows and drinking nonstop and constantly having access to booze does not make it easy to run from booze or run from the things that are giving you a problem. So just be cautious in yourself and realize, although we have these moments of feeling superhuman or feeling bigger than anything else or feeling like we're untouchable, we are not. We are humans. We are meat. And uh, we have to be a little cautious to protect ourselves when the rest of the world is just looking to uh, praise us and give us whatever we want. Yeah. RIP. Okay, this is from Sean. If you and Pitar could be in or direct any musical, what would it be and what character? Personally, I pay good money to see Effie and Les Mis. Wow. Do I have to be Jean Valjean? You can be whoever you want. I think I want to be Jean Valjean. Okay. Uh, obviously just a little martyrdom syndrome in there. Uh, but I also want to move the song. I dreamed a dream to Jean Valjean. So I'm going to be performing that song and Anne Hathaway can go sit in the fucking corner for all I care. Um, but if I'm picking the musical, I would like to rewrite a Nazi free version of the producers that we create, because I think the producers is genius. It's Mel Brooks. So obviously it has a, um, a certain scathing look at, you know, why, the Nazi musical accidentally oopsie succeeded instead of failing like they expected. But I think there's a better way to look at it and a better humor to bring to it because the story of trying to make a musical that's so bad it fails because that's the way that financially you've set yourself up for success and it not going that way, I think it's genius. I got to see it on Broadway when I was like 14 and I think it changed my brain. Uh, and so that's that's one that's very close to my heart. Pitar? Of anything with puppets. Oh. Yeah. I want right. to do a dirty puppet show. All right, that works. Maybe a little different Avenue Q. Yeah. Although the song "Everyone's a Little Bit Racist," it, it's a that's a it's a classic. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's a classic song, and having puppets do it makes it all the more fun. Uh, I'm still a big fan of the opera. Like, like I'll watch it anytime it's on. And yeah. I'll, if you were like, "Oh, we can go see Phantom tonight at the on Broadway," I'd pay whatever. I'll go see it right now. So, uh, I don't know. I'm a musical baby through and through. I just saw Wicked here in Atlanta. Me and Pitar got to go see uh, Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ Superstar, Star, yeah. where I got to say the line to Pitar, this is one of the only crucifixions you can clap at. Uh, so, yeah, I, my, I love musicals. My favorite thing during that whole experience was you turning me and going, isn't it crazy that no one, like everyone here is here for different reasons? Like, <laughs> the motivations of coming to this are different across the board. Yeah. There's some people here because they just like Jesus. Some people just like musicals. And then there was us. We were there for a lot of reasons. <laughs> and we heightened our experience to the top level. Um, okay. This is from Donovan. Hey, Effie, what kind of things do you need for a venue for Big Gay Brunch? 
<laughs> air conditioning. Air conditioning. That's a big uh, one. We're pretty low. We're pretty low brow when it comes to what we need in a venue for Game Changer Wrestling, which then lends itself to being pretty low brow for what we need for a big gay brunch. For me, the venues have never been the uh, focal point of the spectacle. And I think that makes us work even harder to bring sort of the additional colorful and brightness of gay culture out because we are up against, you know, a Mexican soccer arena. We are up against a weird concrete building. We are up against a weird warehouse. You know, the, the Ukrainian cultural center for the Los Angeles big gay brunch was probably the best backdrop of a big gay brunch we could have asked for because it's gold and beautiful and this ornate structure. But most of the time it's like, I don't really care what the venue is. We're going to shine past the venue and you probably won't even notice where it's at, you know? Uh, so pretty low, pretty low, uh, necessity for what's required to have a big gay brunch at a venue. Air conditioning, air conditioning, please. God, I sweat so much that day. Okay. Who is your favorite Sanrio character? And have you had the chance to play Hello Kitty Island Adventure? I have not, but it was given to me on GameCube. Uh, so I will be playing it. My favorite Sanrio character is Big Challenges. He's tattooed on my leg. Upside down, so he faces me. So every time I look down, I'm facing Big Challenges. Which, as you can hear, I do quite often. And I kind of need that dumb tattoo as a reminder. Shout out that little crocodile, alligator, whatever he may be. He appeared one time in one drawing with the name Big Challenges and then never appeared again. And he is so close to my heart. Well, actually close to my knee. Okay. Uh, this is from Cody. For Effie, what markets do you have in mind when you take the podcast on the road? Would you consider any Ohio dates? Yeah. I mean, I was talking with Pitar about this a little bit where I wanted to be able to like stack two or three dates in a weekend and for us to be able to kind of drive to them. So like a good Midwest loop would be lovely if we could do. We got to go see the Transcendental Meditation Dome in Ohio. Oh my gosh. That's where that's the it's whole in Ohio? Yeah, It's in Ohio. Wow. Yeah, they just sit there and astrally project. Has Jerry Seinfeld ever been there? I, I th- have to imagine he his consciousness lives What's there. What's the deal with Transcendental Meditation Domes? That That is one of the... Okay, what is it that y'all call it when... Is it a rub or a rib? Well, a rib is when you play a prank on someone. A okay. rub is when you get somebody over using your juice. Okay. What Then what is... Y- y'all have a word for, like, scammy shit. Uh, um, <laughs> y'all have lots of words for scammy like shit. Like, carny shit? Like, maybe. I don't know. I'm not thinking of what the what it specifically is. But Transcendental Meditation is one of the biggest, like working scams that because it does work right but you're also basing off the fact that the buy-in is two to three thousand dollars for something you can find on the internet yeah for free of charge yeah but the participation in the group makes you more likely to makes you more kind of like stick with it if you spend 3k you go in a room you talk to a guru and they give you a secret mantra you're going to feel like you're doing something special even though you can google what the mantra and you're are. a part of a secret club yeah like you're exactly kind of above others who have not taken this plunge and it's it's extremely simple tech like mantra technology it's the easiest like you could just go ohm and right. like there you go well well done you're a transcendental meditator so you're saying we should be selling some mantras i'm selling yeah yeah yeah, yeah. or uh, move it into wrestlers and cars getting energy drinks i don't know wrestlers <laughs> and cars getting energy drinks it could work it could most definitely work um yeah i i 
I'm trying to hit markets where we can do well in. That's that's the point I'm getting at. And I want us to be able to roll into town pretty easily. And, you know, if we do fly in somewhere, I want us to be able to rent a car and hit two or three towns before we're flying out. Uh, we're working on it. If anyone has suggestions, please reach out. Uh, I'm nervous to contact venues directly because of all these weird merch cut things I'm seeing. So I'm looking for venues that are not involved in that sort of way that we can come in and find a cute split deal on and have our cool podcast live and make them interesting and fun and easily accessible to a large audience. Okay. Last question. Okay. This is from Julie. I need to hear all about the weekend. What was your favorite moment? I have one. You go first. Okay. So there's a moment that like two, three, four in the morning sitting with ref Scarlett and Cole Radrick and just talking about the weirdness of reality, the weirdness of being alive, just how kind of bizarre it is that we're doing anything at all. And both of them, out of nowhere, just start expressing all this gratitude to the life that they're living. And I don't find that very much in regular reality, just like unprompted gratitude. And there's this feeling of uh, there was something that Cole said where it's like we love staying up all night on the weekends because we're just hanging out and talking with our friends. And there's this feeling of, oh, this is what human beings have always been doing for the history of humanity, sitting and talking and trading stories, whether it be in, you know, a hotel room at a big wrestling convention or, you know, cavemen sitting in front of a fire, you know. Talking about the, the buffalo. Exactly. And it was just a very human thing that we were doing. And I just, I appreciate all of that so, so very much. I love it. Mine's going to be a little different. As you started talking, I realized what it was. Sometimes I often joke that, you know, once I get in the ring, none of the other shit really matters. And that's beautiful. There's magic to that. But when I got in the ring at Big Gay Brunch and Pimpinella Escarlata was uncontained, and was just going around kissing people and was going to start the match when she wanted. And I kind of made eyes with Allie and uh, Sonny of like, I'm not in control anymore. Having, having the feeling of now I am unattainable for questioning. I'm not running a show anymore. I am just a creature in this performance and I don't even have control over that. Something about the feeling of sort of letting go completely was the most peaceful, loving, wonderful thing because I was like, I'm completely out of the driver's seat now in every capacity. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do here, but I can't control how anything else goes. And it felt wonderful. What a feeling. I love it. Also, Sonny killed it. Hopefully, Sonny gets much more time to show what they are capable of. Because I think they are, I think the upside on Sonny Kiss is infinite. And I'm glad I get to use my show to showcase that. We're done. We're done.